Well, thank you for being here this morning and uh, Justin to talk about uh, Easter. A couple times you can get someone in church as Christmas and Easter, so just take advantage of that and uh, appeal to someone's carnality and, and get them here. Get them here so they can hear the gospel because that's what changes people's lives. 1 Kings 21. 1 Kings 21, keep the pastor in pray, prayer as he's preaching in Kalispell. And then a lot of folks can be with Brother Juan Luna in uh, Mountain Home. You know what I mean? I think Treasure Valley Baptist is doing a lot, but it's doing a lot of preaching today, I'm telling you right now, in a lot of different places. So you may not see all that goes on around here. Bus ministry, I walk through the college and career, high school, junior high, uh, adult Sunday school classes. You know, 10, 10 people are being taught. 10 classes at one time are being taught on campus. So there's a lot of words going out. There's a lot of teaching going out. A lot of growth going out. So, amen. 1 Kings 21. 1. And it came to pass... After these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, the king of Syria, Samaria. And Ahab spake to Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or, if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money." And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this morning. Uh, Father, that you've worked in my heart on this thing. And um, Father, pray that you work on the, the parishioners' hearts, the people of this congregation's hearts today. Father, may we hear from your book and from your words and from heaven. And the few words that you've given me, God, I, Father, pray that I may articulate them the way they need to be and have the right delivery, Father. Because without that, it's all in vain. And without the Holy Spirit making sense of all this, it's all in vain. Yes, we're all sinners, God. Yes, we ask to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray for this room, this audience, these people, our hearts. Father, that we be in one accord as we hear these words. Help us to understand your words through your Bible. And Father, let the Holy Spirit make sense of it in our lives. Put me behind the cross, Father, that, Lord, and give me wisdom above my years. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone has a vineyard of some kind. As we're going to look at inheritances today, the world... Well, some things are not for sale. Let's just start there. Some things are not for sale. It was the king. The king called Ahab and said, Ahab, I want to buy your vineyard. You know, the kids probably said, hey, dad, the king's calling. The king, what's he want with us? He wants our vineyard. The world says that everything has a price, but not with Naboth. It didn't have a price. And my question to you today is this. How important is your vineyard? How important is your inheritance? We're going to be talking about inheritances today. Uh, the first inheritance we're going to talk about is your physical inheritance, your DNA that your dad and mom. You know, it's said that the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. I 
watched one of my sons teach Sunday school class this morning, and he, had, he was <laughs> being excused for his sloppy handwriting. Well, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. Then I went into the other son's Sunday school class and listened to him teach, and he was more articulate, and he had diagrams and zeros, and, and he pre-planned it out, which I can see the nut does not fall far from the tree. In this case, it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. You need to come to the fact that your mom and dad are good looking. And when you say that, you go, what do you mean by that? Because you, sir or ma'am, are going to look like them. So you might as well get it through your thick skull that they're handsome people. I know to a teenager it's a bit traumatic because they look at mom and dad and the things they wear and the stuff they put in their hair and what they brush their teeth with and their clothes and their closets and their aneurysms and what they like to eat. And you think, what planet are these people in? Well, that's because your brain is not done growing, so you can't understand that you're going to be just like them someday. It's, um, <laughs> it's you're going to resemble your parents in both ways. I remember... And I got to pick on my family because I can't pick on you. You won't like me. Um, and you may not anyway, but that's not here. I'm here for the money only. So one of my kids, Casey, and he was growing up just a little guy. He was stuttering. He'd get all the words and did, 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 did. And one day he was yelling at me. He goes, I'm stuttering, Dad, because you were a boozer. Don't be blaming me on your stuttering, buddy. He wanted to blame me. And he was like six years old. How did you know what a boozer I was? You were a boozer, Dad. That's why I'm stu stu stuttering. And some of you might want to early, and let me be honest, some of you might want to marry early before your hair falls out and your waist starts to expand. Just when you look at your parents, you think, I'm getting married early. I'm sorry. Get that bride or that husband while you can because things do not get better, I'm telling you. They do not get better. Most always, age has a way of adjusting things. People are trying to change their looks. It's best just to embrace it. And if you're odd, and you're not the most handsome person in the world or lady, you're unique. <laughs> just put, I'm unique. There's always someone prettier. There's always someone handsomer. There's always someone who's got it going on more than you, and we can't compete with that. So just put a unique plaque in your house and say, I'm unique. You can live with that, right? You're unique. You don't have to be the greatest. But you need to be proud of your parents. God made us in his image. So you might as well like the way your parents look. Your physical inheritance is already set your DNA, and you can't change it. I went to some, where I was at recently, there was thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Not hundreds, but thousands. And there's ladies there that have to fix their eyes because they need their eyes to look like they're big. Or their eyebrushes, you know, they could use them to wash a car. There's ladies that, I've seen this, that want their lips bigger. And, and why would they would want that? They couldn't ride a motorcycle or anything because they just go, because their lips are huge. Why, I mean, I understand if you want to fix them, but why make them so big? And then there's people that 
get their face tucked back like they're going on an amusement ride their whole life. Like, <laughs> it's just sucked in. It's like, why would you do that to yourself? I wrote down every wrinkle and every age spot is closer to perfection. There's also, and then also on the last of the physical appearance, God made you, you yourself, a limited edition, and he broke the mold. There's also a financial inheritance, and oh, we want to start talking about that. Everybody's ears pick up on the financial inheritance, the reading of the will, the rich uncle that you never liked, but you do like, your rich parents. Your rich parents have got to watch out if you have any assets. Your parents or our kids are always asking, how you feel, mom and dad? Well, I was thinking of getting the physical. Ah, you don't need no physical. Just get going, dad and mom. Those doctors don't know what they're talking about. Always asking how you're feeling. But in 1 Timothy, it says this, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some while that covet after, and have erred, and have erred from the faith, and the piercing themselves through many sorrows. Naboth's inheritance meant so much for him, he said, not for sale. And Americans don't understand that, not for sale. Hey, we want to buy your house, not for sale. Well, it's everybody's got a price. No, we don't. Not for sale. Money could not replace his inheritance. Substance could not replace his inheritance. His father's inheritance was irreplaceable. And I'm going to ask you today, how about, as we talk about these inheritances, are your inheritances for sale? Are they for sale? And it's a, and it's a legitimate question. Are they for sale? Large amounts of money come with many sorrows. If you ever get any money, you're going to realize just how many friends you have and how many friends you're going to have will come in your door and say, hey, I need this much money. And, you, well, and God says, well, if a brother asks you, give it to you. If he give you a coat, give it to you. Walk, walk one, walk twain. And you've got to come to that grip says, how many times do I give that away? And it's going to mess with your spirit. But it's all you had to have that money. Large amounts of money usually magnify a person's character. If you're a good person and you, and this is proven fact, if you're a good person and you receive a large amount of money, which does nobody any good, you become charitable. But if you're a bad person and receive a large amount of money, it destroys you. And you got, there's thousands and millions and millions of examples out there on the TV. People got a large amount of money, money and they destroyed them. You don't want a large amount of money. Anyone with money usually has a story behind it. You can look up any rich man, simplot, I don't care who it is. And they have a story behind it. How he got started. How they were very poor at one time. How they sacrificed for their children. How they lived within their means. I've said this once before. One time we were at a family gathering and one of the uppity family members said... Uh, we don't do beans. And I got home to my wife. I said, Honey, we're making beans. 
And so we did this once week, once every other week with some beans and a ham, big piece of meat and a lot of ham. My wife would say, you put too much ham in it. Well, it's called ham and beans, ham and beans. And then you put a little unsalt, celery salt, garlic salt, a little bit of ketchup, a little bit of brown sugar, um, all that good stuff. And it sets in the simmering pot all day long and a little bit of tomato soup. Yes. And it's simmering all day long and your wife's making a fresh bread and you come home and your house smells like heaven. Yeah, if you don't got that, you need to do that. And then your stupid boys come in and they say this, we need something in there. I think teenage boys would eat uh, flavored sawdust if you put it down in front of them. Yeah, we need something in here, dad. Hurts, pain. And when my wife would make this fresh bread and this, this pot in the crock pot eight hours and it was just glorious and and the funny part is Jared had put his food on his table with some fried potatoes and ketchup and he'd mix it in like it was a murder thing you know like somebody just you'd see on some bad tv show and eating it up and and then Justin would just put all his stuff in a certain way where it don't can't touch you can't touch anything because if it touches it's ruined and he's eating with manners and Jared's just slopping it in Casey doesn't even know what's going on and uh but they learned to eat beans. And they like beans to this day. You'll find, everybody, you'll find in your life, simplicity is the key to life. They learned to eat beans. How they stay conservative. How they save money. How they learn to live poor for many years. I remember... <laughs> it was sort of unfair. And I, I just got to be honest with you. When my kids were young, Casey, and Jared, and Justin, uh, they got socks and shoes for Christmas. <laughs> they just did. And, that's, and they were happy to get it. And I'm just going to say this. Whether you, one day, uh, the three boys were watching Kelly and Tanner drive a four-wheeler around the pool. <laughs> they said, Dad, there's something wrong with this picture. I said, son... I know it is. What you want me to do? Are my last two kids spoiled? Yeah, but so are the first three. The only reason I tell you this, because I can't talk about you. I wish I could, but I can't. I have some friends here that I could undress, but I won't. So, the benefactors usually don't understand that a lot of sacrifice for many years and hard work, went in to the inheritance. But I fear people today have a sense of entitlement. And the thing is, is they don't understand. I'd rather have my parents than the money. And my parents didn't leave us hardly anything. But I'd like to say, hey, Dad, I got a question. And he'd always have the answer. Or I'd say, Hi, Mom. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to hear your voice, Mom. I will say this, though. Financial inheritance is the least important. Sadly, the world looks at the financial inheritance differently. Well, Naboth, the king wanted your property, and the king came to you, and man, you, you would have the king's best 
property or the king's money and you know he's going to overpay you and you're going to make 40 to 50 to 60% on your, on your earnings. And Naboth said, my inheritance is not for sale. Naboth gave up his life for his and his children. Who are you? How important is your inheritance? And as we go through these next two subjects, you need to think about it. Because it is important. Because see, everybody has a vineyard. Everyone in this room has a vineyard of some sorts. That you are encased of keeping aware of it, keeping care of it, providing for it, protecting it, dressing it, looking at it. You all have a vineyard. It says in Proverbs 22.1, it says this. A good man is rather to be chosen than great... A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A loving favor rather than silver or gold. I'm going to talk this. Is how are you handling your name of your inheritance? It's important to you. Are you proud of it? Unfortunately, my family and my family's bloodline wasn't distinct and upheld and and honored. And matter of fact, if you look at the Edward Doty, and there's two volumes, they bought it for me, and I've said this before, he came over on the Mayflower, and they have two giant volumes written about Edward Doty. Well, I started reading, oh man, let's read about Edward Doty. He was on the, on the Mayflower, and I started reading, and I started going, that sounds just like my family. This was a scoundrel. Yeah, he was a scoundrel. Yep, scoundrel. Edward was. I thought he'd be some great statesman or something, you know. Something about the bell or the horses or history. Nope. He was a scoundrel. They even wrote a book about him. I didn't understand that. Most of my bloodline is the other side of the tracks. And as I grew up, uh, you could take a picture of our family. And I, I don't mean to say this to be cruel. You could pick a picture of my family and say, if you want a white trash family, this is what they look like. I mean, that's, that's how we were raised. There was no God in our lives. There was the anti-God in our life. But the moment I got saved, <laughs> the moment I got saved, my name meant something. The Bible started talking to me, and my name meant something. And I, I was a Christian, and my name was Doty. And, I, and then I met my wife. And, and the hard part is I tell everybody this in marital counseling is, listen, Listen, you moron, the guy sitting there, I give it all, and the wedding's for her, and yeah, blah, blah. I go, listen, moron, she's giving up her good name and taking your stupid name. Think it through. Well, oh, okay, I never thought of that. She's giving up her name. She's had all her life and following you in your name? Are you serious? I wait till they start getting a little testy and I got something to get him with and I get him with it. And my wife's family were respectable people and in the community and she was an Olsen and they were nice people and they paid their bills and they were good folks. And then I met her, took her over and met my family. <laughs> and she had to give up her name for that. But my name became important. Very, very important. It's the name I gave my children. When your kids get to be teenagers, it's scary. 
because they do some awful stuff to you. Yep, I can see that. Yep, I can see him doing that too. Yep, mm-hmm. oh, yep, can't kill him, but I'll take care of it. Yep, click. Yep, I can see that. Yep, can see that too. Yep, <laughs> well, they're like their mom, of course, <laughs> like their dad. <laughs> That's when you get in the blame game. Well, you know they're like you, honey. Uh, loud and obnoxious and out of control. They're like you, shall Come on. Uh, so they, you look at that, and it's scary. But I got to admit, I have personal stories of each one of my children somewhere in the community that someone with, that meant something has came to me in many times personally, stopped me and looked me in the eyes. Every one of those varmints over there told me what something great my children have done for somebody else more than once. And I'm not going to bore you with the stories because you'd go, man, these are things a lot of his kids. Well, there was a lot of times in my life where I thought a lot, nothing of my kids. I was afraid they were all going to be jailbirds. But they got saved and God started working. And they went to camp and I dragged him to church and dragged him to church and made him cut their hair, made him comb their hair, made him dress nice, brought him to church. Oh, and I whipped him. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. I whipped him. Ooh, don't say that. Don't say whipping. Yeah, I whipped him. And they got, you're getting three. They go, well, Dad, we'll just rather wait for Dad. Because <laughs> Mom's going, ah, with the, she got the paddle chasing around the house. We'll wait for Dad, Mom. We'll wait for Dad. What'd you do? Okay, you get two swats. And then Justin would always go, Dad, let's, let's, bark, let's break it down to one. <laughs> He'd always want me to break it down to one. Dad, it's half Z day. Come on. Yankee swap. Break that two ship whips down to one. Well, you're going to get two now. And Jared just said, get it over with. But Justin was talking, shaking, trying to get out of it the whole time. And I have outstanding stories with all of them, but I will not bore you with those. But here's something that happened. When I got saved, I, our pastor, we was one mile south of this place, and, there, and you know the people that are here. I'm seeing some people that were here. Pastor Buddy came over to our house. Me and my wife lived in this little thing, and I told him my testimony, which I didn't know what to say, so I told him too much, too long. And he said, well, you need to start thinking about shortening that bad boy, and so I did. But he was so kind and gracious, and I said, I, I don't know what to do. I've I've not been a good person my whole life. I've been a bad person for 21 and a half years. I don't know what to do. I live for the devil. Wisest thing he ever said to me. He sort of explained in the sowing and reaping thing, but here's how he told me. He said, Kendall, if you do this, you will succeed. Best advice I've ever had in my life. He said, every day, every day, you try to do something good for someone. Every day of your life. And some days you won't, but you get up, you get a new chance. Every day you try to do something good for someone. And he went through the sowing and reaping laws. And eventually, you will have so much good behind you, it will outweigh the bad. Those were the wisest words any man had ever said to me in my life, because I could catch it. Okay, so you're saying, tomorrow, tomorrow I got to do good to somebody. Exactly. 41 years ago, that started taking place. He gave me the instructions. Let me ask you how you're doing with your name, your inheritance. Is it for sale? Are you living up to your name, young people? 
You know, it's sort of sad. Young people get disenchanted or dis-whatever with their parents, and they want to punish them or torture them, and they do some stuff just to get, just because they're dumb. But if they realize that their kids are going to do it to them too, they would probably not do that. Because when I hear something going on, I'm just thinking, well, you know, I, rem- I got to say Linda Travis. Linda Travis from our life when we were young, and, and she always, you know, critiquing me how I was doing things. And now she's got her own family. Kids will humble you more than life itself. But kids, your name's not for sale. Be proud of your name. I don't care if it's a dumb name. My mom's name is Ostendorf. And my German side of my Ostendorfs are all bent out of shape. That uh, I'm a Doty and my middle name is Maurice, but the Germans pronounce it Maurice. And if you say Maurice, it's a fight. It's Morris. You are Morris, Kendall Morris Doty. You are not Kendall Maurice Doty. And they get all bent out of shape over that. Because your name is important. The old Germans, Ostendorf's bring this coat of arms and want me to buy this thing and hang it in my house and proud to be a German, you know, and, and spend $90 million and put it up there. No, but my name is important. And it's not for sale. It's not for sale. Proverbs says this. A good name, a good, I'm sorry. A good man leaveth his inheritance to his children's children, and wealth of a sinner is laid up for the just. When you read this verse, you say, I always thought about this. You leave an inheritance to your children's children. Some could say it's money. Some could say it's family, and some could say it's culture, but I'll say it's neither one of those things. Here's a verse. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Peter says, to the inheritance of the incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved heaven for you. Think it through. If you're going to give your inheritance to your children's children, what would it be? How can you get your inheritance to your children's and children? Uh, money just goes away. Money comes as a vapor. First, you need to get the inheritance to your children. And the first thing you need to say to your children, I am going to give my inheritance to you early. Boy, are their ears going to perk up. I'm going to give my inheritance to you, er, for, to you early for a reason. And the inheritance that you give them, give your children, and their eyes open up, it doesn't have a dollar bill behind it. They don't have their eyes on eternity. Because think about it. The Bible says it comes as a thief in the night. The least when you respect it. No being able to change in the will. If you want to give your inheritance to your children's children, you first of all got to give this to your children. I said that for a reason. I walked in and seen one of my kids teaching a class today, and I walked in and seen another kid teaching a class, and and tonight you're going to see one of them teaching up here tonight. And it had nothing to do, really, with my name. It had nothing to do with anything I gave them other than this. Because 41 years ago, me and my wife decided that we were going to start living like you're supposed to live. Not perfect, because I'm the farthest thing from it. 
living like we're supposed to doing, doing good for people every day of our life. And along the way, our kids are going to start reading the Bible. That is the inheritance. If you want your children's children to make it, you got to get it to your kids first. Who cares about money? You know, honestly, who cares about your looks? When you're 50, you're not going to care no more. <laughs> and when you're 60, you're not going to care. <laughs> Exercise? Why? <laughs> I'm just going to die. I'd rather have the cream brulee. I'd rather have the, the, the donuts with good stuff in the center. I'd rather have that stuff. Why would I diet at 60? To look good for what? The mosquito that bites me? Mm -hmm. Boy, I tell you, when a mosquito bites into a fat person, they're going, yeah, I like that guy. But you skinny people, they go right by you. I'm not buying into that bony thing. I might hurt myself. We need to get to our children's children. I'm going to give them my inheritance early so my children's children can get it. And the thing is, is if you don't do it, it's, it's this thing is an eternity. And you've got to get it to them, and you've got to get it to your kids so they'll get it, it's the same vision to your kids. And it works differently in each family, but it works the same because each family is a little different. We did our devotions. Everybody read seven verses, seven verses, seven verses. We started at 5.15 in the morning, seven verses, seven verses, seven verses, the way it was. That's how we did it. And you do it however you want. And a lot of times we missed. Whoa, we missed. But a lot of times we didn't. But we kept trying. We dragged them kids to camp. We dragged them to church. It's like the reading of the will. And your name's not on it. Well, we're going to have a reading of the will. And this guy's a billionaire. Whatever. Billions and billions of dollars. And I think your name's in it. And you're sitting there just, oh, Hope my name's in it. Hope my name's in it. Well, there's a reading of the wheel coming sooner that you're going to want your name in it. It's more important. Because remember, all the things we hold dear to ourselves, our financial being, our wealth, our homes, our children, our dumb pets, their pets are going to burn. I tell you that right now, they're going to burn. And so they're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get your pets. My pets are going through the tribulation. Yes. They're going to get what they deserve. Tear up my house. Someone might eat them. <laughs> Someone might eat my pets. You say, well, how could you say that? Well, have you ever seen a pet tear away a perfectly new house? A perfectly good yard? I have. When the rapture comes, the church, your money, your portfolio, your insurance, your health care, your 401k, your estate planning, doesn't going to matter. Because see, then when God does that and it comes to the thief of night and the rapture comes, man, everything we held dear just falls. And you think, oh, my inheritance of the Lord. And what Jesus said. Oh boy, was I, thank God. Thank God I gave my life to the Lord 41 years ago. Oh my gosh, Lord, thank you. It's going to change. And your inheritance is not for sale. And I'll give you a point here in a minute, but your earthly inheritance will end. But your spiritual inheritance is everlasting. We went to a place recently, it's Disney World, and thousands and thousands, not, not hundreds, thousands. I sit while my wife does some shopping sometimes, and a hundred people go by me every two minutes, at least. And you know, 
pretty innocent place. I know you can find your faults with anything, but you can find your faults in a grocery store, so get off it. They sell booze and pornography, so don't go to grocery stores. Anyway. But I see people chasing the, the snapshots with Mickey and Minnie and, and seeing the fireworks and, and seeing these stage shows, which are pretty innocent. And I understand, they're, they're, they're one, one, and they say it's the happiest place on the earth. <laughs> I've been there a lot, and I've seen more men and women fighting over what they're going to do. One guy said, I am not walking no more. <laughs> I am going home to my hotel. I don't care what you say. And he was being loud. I don't care what you say, because there's hundreds of thousands of people. I'm not going over there no more. You've walked me to death. I'm going to my, why can't we go to our nice hotel and be normal? And the wife's pushing the thing, you better come on. And pushing it. And then at 30 seconds, I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk over there, and that's it. And I watch that, and I'm like, man, it's priceless. I've seen people fight over everything, poisonous species, and their lives, and their kids, and you've got to get in this line and stand for four hours, or you don't get a ride or ride. It is what it is. But you know, that's all chasing an earthly thing. And if they want to do that, that's fine. There's worse things you could do. But that doesn't have anything for eternity. It has nothing for eternity. Herein, when the will is read, will your name be in it? It says this. The message is almost over, so hold on. It says in Revelations 20:15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, there's a reason you should ask someone to come on Easter, because you just might shame them in the coming and they might hear the word of God and they might get saved and you might see them on the other side and you will, they'll say, oh, I'm so glad I, I broke down and I listened to you. I went to church. I didn't know what neighbors say. I didn't know what they said. I did it. I came to church. I got saved. I understand it now because when you're reading the will and your name's not called, this is going to be a bad time. This inheritance is an inheritance what matters. Remember, Someone paid something else. Worked really hard. He lived on this plant. He was sinless for 33 years. He suffered a great suffering. And his inheritance is free. He did all the work for this inheritance. Just like everybody else that inherits anything in the world. They really didn't deserve it. Because they weren't there 41 years, no, 30, 30 some years ago, I said, Shelly, I think I'm going to start my own business. Oh, and I'm going to quit my job, and I like this guy I work for, I'm going to quit my job, and I prayed, went to McDonald's for two years and prayed and, and ate McDonald's, and that's why McDonald's is the reason I started my business. But anyway, um, and my wife says, okay, honey, I'll go with you. And then the bad thing is everybody we told, they go, oh, you're going to do so well. And we thought, oh, we're going, to, we're going to fail and go to bankrupt, and it's going to be the worst decision ever made. I joke with my kids who are in business with me because it's way larger than it ever was. I say, a man had a dream 30 years ago. <laughs> they go, okay, man had a dream 30 years ago. He had a dream, and he worked hard. And I go after it, man. I get all I can get out of it. 
and he's still working sort of hard, not very hard, not hard at all. But he had a dream. This man did. But so did someone else. God said, everybody's going to hell. I need some way to get them to heaven. And Jesus Christ said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Do you know what you're going to have to do to do this? I know. I'm going to go live with those people, and they're going to torture me and kill me. And, but I'm going to do it for the Kendalls, the, the Travises. I'm going to do it for Brother Jacob. I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to do it for him. Do it for Bob. I'm going to do it for him. It says this. For this cause, he is the benefactor, benefactor of the New Testament, that by the means of death and for the redemption of the transgressions that where you are under the First Testament, which we are called by receiving the promise of eternal inheritance, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive your reward and your inheritance for ye are servants of Lord Christ. Don't sell out your spiritual inheritance. Say, what do I mean? Don't sell out your spiritual inheritance. The way you sell out your spiritual inheritance is by giving up. See, when you give up and you sell out your spiritual inheritance, the Lord, the world says, the world, flesh, and devil, come and play with me, come and play with me. If you want to sell out your spiritual inheritance, just quit. Quit what you're doing. Quit going to church. One guy said last night in prayer meeting, he said, you know, I'm just having a hard time spiritually. I, I'm, a, I'm feeling aloof, and I don't feel like I'm doing anything for the Lord. And then we got done. I said, yeah, but you're here at prayer meeting tonight, and you are doing something for the Lord. You're here. Yeah, we may all feel like we're not doing it for the Lord, but you're coming to church. You're still hoeing the corn. You're still driving out of that subdivision where people are watching you. You're still dragging those kids to church. You can't give up, because if you give up, then you lose your spirit. Oh, you're saying you lose your salvation? I never said that. I said, what about your kids and your grandkids? My grandkids are going to do nothing but torture my kids. <laughs> when I hear something dumb that they did, I go, you're going to get it, because I know what they did to me. And they deserve every bit of it. You know, it is a, it is a good payback, to be honest with you. You just don't want them to go too far. But you give up. That's how you lose your spiritual inheritance to the world, flesh, and devil. Families. Your family is not for sale. Your family's not for sale. I don't care how imperfect you don't think it is or is not. Your family's not for sale. Bob gave us some good news about Brian the other night. His family's not for sale. How do you do your thing? Your, your marriage is not for sale. And believe me, marriage is the toughest thing anyone will ever do. Well, we've been married for six months. It's wonderful. Yeah, you wait till you're 40 years into it. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> you talked about everything. And like I say, just start making stuff up. It's the way to go. I'm going to start making stuff up and seeing if she catches it. <laughs> of course, they always do. You know that's not true. How do you know that's not true? Well, at least you got some kind of communication going on, you know what I mean? Instead of a weatherman or whatever. But your marriage is not for sale. Your friendships are not for sale. Your friendships are not for sale. Your church is not for sale. 
You got all these people preaching on the, up there in North Canada and, and Mountain Home and in your church. Your church is not for sale. Keep coming. Keep dragging your family here. When do you guys go all the time? What are you going to do? Watch TV? There's nothing but pornography on TV. <laughs> really? I'm stuck in 40-year reruns. <laughs> Tell you where I'm at. And you know what's not for sale? The lost is not for sale. If you quit, that person that you were going to lead to the Lord and he was going to go to heaven didn't happen. Now I know, I know in our lives, there's a lot going on. And it's, it's, I think it's getting tougher for Christians because it's winding down. In my life, the spiritual pressure is, is at a hundred. I don't get it. I don't understand why. It's supposed to get easier. But it's getting worse. The lost need you to be there. I'm going to do something that's very childish, but hey, I've done it before. Bear with me. Once upon a summer day, just a dream from yesterday, a boy in his magic golden flute Heard a boat from off the bay. Come and play with me, Jimmy. Come and play with me. <clears throat> and I will take you on a trip far across the sea. But the boat belonged to a kooky old witch who had in mind the flute to snitch. From her broom broom in the sky, she watched her plan materialize. She waved her wand. The beautiful boat was gone. The sky grew dark, the sea grew rough, but the boat sailed on and on and on. But Puff and Stuff was watching too and knew exactly what to do. He saw the witch's bone attack, and as the boy was fighting back, he called his rescue racer who had often made rehearse and off to save the boy that flew. But who would get there first? Now the boy had washed ashore. Puff arrived to save the dead. That made the witch so mad and sore. She shook her fist and screamed away. See, Puff and Stuff was watching too and knew exactly what to do. Your vineyard may need to be watered. Your vineyard may need to pull some weeds. Your vineyard, you might need to kick a few rats out. Your vineyard, you might need to build a fence around. But you have a vineyard. And everybody's is a little different. But it's your vineyard. And whether you're a grandparent, a parent, an eight-year-old, or a 19-year-old, you have a responsibility to those around you to take care of that vineyard because your inheritance is everything. Because we're come to the ground with so great a cloud of witnesses. A lot of times, I fake it because I don't want people to see me in a bad mood. You're always in a good mood. You want to know the truth, just ask her. I'm usually in a very bad mood. But I fake it. Because I don't want anybody to say, oh, 
and make it about me. Hey, Brother Doty's not in a very good mood. Is he all right? How's he doing? Well, I don't have any room to not be in a bad mood. My kids are in church. My kids are saved. My grandkids are mostly saved. Wow. And it's because my kids took the inheritance and said, man, Dad, this is what's the most important thing in the whole wide world. Sorry, son, it is. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's nothing but this. It's not your money. It's not our job. It's not our company. It's this. And that inheritance, so now my kids tell me my grandson gets saved and my granddaughter gets saved. I think, oh God, 41 years ago when you started with that mess of a man. I mean a mess of a man. He taught me my inheritance is not for sale. And you need to think that through today. Your inheritance is not for sale. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we, Father, thank you for this day. And Father, pray that anyone here, these young people or old people who have been debating their name, their inheritance as the piano plays, I want you to think about this. Is your inheritance for sale? Is your name for sale? Do you got a bad attitude? Do you need to say, God, I had to do it. God, forgive me of my bad attitude. Young people, your parents, are you proud of their name? Are you proud of the way they look? Are you proud of the things they make you do? Grandparents, you're still alive and getting to see your grandkids and kids in church. Wow, what an inheritance that you got for us, Lord. What an inheritance. It can't be bought, it can't be sold. It's free and it's God given and he paid the price. And you were just the person that one day and you said, I will, Lord. I will, I accept you as my savior. And he started to work in your house and in your name and your children and your wives. Don't give up. Because if you give up, it's over. You know, God could come back tomorrow or the next day. Or, or here's the sad part. He might come the day you, after you give up. Don't give up. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it's hard. The Christian life is hard. And you might have got some wounds in you from other Christians. You may have got some wounds from a relationship. You may have got some wounds from an employer or an employee. You may have some wounds. What's that? Don't let that stop you. Don't let it stop you. God had to teach me something when I thought of this message. Just how important my vineyard is. And you don't want to know the truth. A lot of times, I don't pay attention to it. All right, let's stand up. Let's turn our hymn books to 186. 186, A Child of the King. My father is rich. 
Brother Travis, will you come up and lead us? I know. He was in my life when he was a lot younger, right, brother? He even did what I said and told him to do when he was younger. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we, we are thankful for your word and the truth and the authority that it has. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that it's solid and it's never changing. Lord, the, the, the message is the same today as it will be tomorrow. And we are thankful for that. And Lord, um, Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you that it's still here. And Lord, we thank you for the men of God that um, invested their time and their lives into this church. And Lord, I pray that you bless the remainder of this day. And Lord, thank you for our vineyards. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.